ever. We got one more to go. We're gonna go out there and try to win it for you guys. And that's all we got. We love you, Patriots out! Hello everyone and welcome to this very special uh, Super Bowl preview episode of the Titletown Sports Podcast. Hey Melissa. Hey Craig, how are you? I'm doing pretty okay, how are you? I'm wonderful. How slash where are you? I'm doing great and I am slash in Hawaii broadcasting on location. All right. Early in the morning. I thought I'd come out here for the Pro Bowl, but that's not here anymore. So Yeah, you got hoodwinked on that. Bought the tickets nice and early and then they moved it. I know. Bummer. Too bad for me, huh? Just have to make do, I guess. Yeah, well, tough times for all of us. (laughs) Yeah. What we do Um, for our craft. So uh, as everybody knows, the Super Bowl is next week. Patriots and Eagles. Rematch from 2005. Uh, Yeah, I'm excited. Are you excited? I'm pretty pumped. I'll tell you what. uh, You know who's really pumped? Who? The entire city of Philadelphia. Much more so than the city of Boston or New England at large, I would say. Uh, Yeah, I would imagine that to be true. You obviously, we've talked before, have a little more firsthand knowledge about the situation. But, you know, for for us, I think it becomes old hat. Like, oh, been there, done that. Uh, But yet for them, like, that's exciting. They were home dogs and uh, made their way through. So I imagine that they are wild in the streets in Philadelphia. Through the roof. Through the roof, yeah. So, and for, uh, I was explaining to uh, my girlfriend, who is from Philadelphia and a big time Eagles fan. Oh, um, but I was explaining to her that we don't get excited about the opportunity to go to the Super Bowl. We get excited about winning, <laughs> like the whole thing, you know. So, like having getting yeah. to the game is great. Winning the game the will be will be wild in the streets as well. You know what was funny is I was watching all the news reports out of Philly of like the police criscoing the light poles so that people wouldn't climb oh, them. Greasing those things up yeah. for sure. Which good idea in theory did not work in execution and just like rioting and mass hysteria. And I was like, what are these people, idiots? But then I was like, oh, actually, I remember being in college in 2001 and like, you know, People were rioting in the streets then for like the Patriots winning playoff games, and because we it had been so long right, since we'd right. been there. Yeah, that's the better comp for sure. Comparing comparing it to 2001 is much more of a fair comparison than to you know 2017. Right. What do you mean? What do you mean that the Crisco didn't work? Did that were people climbing on poles? Yeah, people still climb poles. I saw a news video of like they couldn't possibly have been the greased up ones though. I think they just weren't able to get to all the poles. Listen, I don't know. I just read the headlines here. Don't don't press for facts in the story. Don't Go- press for actual article reading. Google it your damn self. I didn't have that kind of time. I'm fucking in Hawaii on vacation. Jesus, what that's do you want from enough. me? <laughs> yeah, that's fair enough. The unfortunate reality is I feel like the city of Philadelphia is going to burn either way. Like oh. if they win, riots. If they lose, riots. Yeah, <laughs> you know I, I, I mean? feel kind of like, bad. If you like- have a garage, a note to the people of Philadelphia, if you have a garage, put your car in it. <laughs> Yeah, or like, you know, leave it at a friend's house that lives in the suburbs. Yeah, I, yeah, I, take it to a buddy's house and get on the train and get back home. I can't imagine, yeah, that it's going to go well there. The evening of Sunday, February 4th in Philadelphia is... Get your Tumultuous. Riot, get, get your riot gear ready, folks. 
Yeah, I was there. I was in college there in 2008 when the Phillies won the World Series, and that was madness too. And they don't really give that much of a shit about baseball, to be honest. Yeah. Most people that season jumped on the bandwagon way late, including myself, out of towner <laughs> and not a Phillies fan. But I rioted with the rest of them when they Hell won yeah. that night. Had to get right in there. It was great. All right, so Melissa, do you have any uh, any opening takes from this week in between uh, the conference championship games and uh, the Super Bowl? I think the one thing that always stands out for me this time of the year is like god what a trash week this is the waiting two weeks between the nfc and afc championship games and you're all hyped up and you're ready to go and you know like we were just talking about people rioting and being like "Woo!" just pumped for what's coming and then you gotta wait two whole weeks and it's just boring it's such a letdown and like it is the second worst week in sports followed by Topped only by the baseball all-star break where literally nothing is happening in the world of sports. But this week you like come out, you dissect the games, you know, the AFC championship games, you talk about your opponent and it's like, cool. We got another like 10 days to go. (laughs) What do we do? It's definitely a lot of time to break down one game and like two weeks to break down two teams in one game is just far too long. I think they switched to this format in like, 2004 or three or something like that. The two week buy in the middle. One thing it is good for though, is like players being healthy, you know? Yeah. Like if there was a one week layover, like I'm not so sure Gronk would be back. Like it's definitely good from that perspective. I agree. Um, Yeah. Brady gets a chance to, you know, get his hand stitched up properly. Like Gronk can come back from the concussion protocol. People can get some rest. And I mean, yeah, it's just, it, it is definitely just like a long slog. And if you wanted to go to the Super Bowl, like as a fan that wanted to attend, it gives you a little more time to like get travel plans in order and get tickets and like have some time for that. Uh, you know, it's probably better for the city of Minneapolis to like prepare a little bit more. Yeah, that's I didn't I didn't realize what you're saying until I did. But yeah, that's a good point. Like if your team, because I'm a Patriots fan, yeah. and I feel like it's a foregone conclusion that we're going to go to the Super Bowl. So I had to <laughs> I had to put myself in the shoes of someone that wasn't sure. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, will you? Will they? Won't they? I don't know. Right. <laughs> that's funny. What's your opening take? What are your thoughts this week? Well, my opening take is, you know, obviously, as you consume various sports media this week, uh, there's a lot of talk about the Eagles. Duh. And what's interesting about the Eagles is they, as they're currently constituted, are a total enigma. You can basically throw out all of their regular season statistics because their quarterback got hurt. And now they have a whole new guy where like, you know, Nick Foles really doesn't have like a ton of like NFL experience. And the starting experience that he does have was a couple years ago, like three, four years ago at this point. So, you know, trying to look at the Eagles and figure out who they are is really tough. You know, when since Foles came in and started, they they were able to win some games at the end of the season. But Foles really looked bad and the whole offense looked really bad. I mean, I went to that Christmas Day Oakland Raiders Philadelphia Eagles game and it was brutal. That was when we came on the air the next day and I was like, yeah, no, it's not 
totally not a problem. Yeah, it's not like that. we need to figure yeah. out who else in the NFC to get worried about because it sure ain't Philly. Right. And I think since then, you know, I've heard a lot of talk about like Doug Peterson, the head coach of the Eagles, going back to like the old playbook, the way that they used to run the offense before he even got there and back when Chip Kelly was there. I don't know. It's just hard they're hard to it's hard to figure out like who they are they've also if you look at the two playoff games that they've played one of them was 15 to 10 they beat the falcons in like this like defensive like slugfest game and then last week they blow out the vikings like 42 to 7 or whatever the final score there was so it's like i don't know who the hell they are i don't, I don't really know if anybody does right are they going to be like a defensive juggernaut that's going to hold you back or are they going to blow you out and like put on an air show it must make it much harder to create a defensive plan against them or game plan against them because you don't know where their point of attack is going to be. You don't have as much video footage as you would if you were playing the Vikings or the Saints, you know, teams that kind of progressed throughout the year and had the same starting lineup for the majority of the year. And you can put together and see how they've grown and developed and attacked teams similar to yours. You, you don't have that same body of work with the Eagles. Uh, yeah, and I could be convinced that the Eagles could actually use that, like, lack of you know i guess experience to their advantage in the sense that like they've only played five nick Foles has only started for this team this year for five games and about halfway through those five games apparently doug peterson decided to like throw out the carson wentz playbook and institute the old chip kelly playbook so really there's been two games with like this sort of team as it's currently constructed at least offensively where like i don't know if if doug peterson has is a good coach which we'll get to that a little bit later is he or isn't he i'm not really sure and if nick Foles is a good quarterback you could sort of take the fact that nobody really knows what you're gonna do and use it to your advantage definitely you you know the surprise factor and the ability or i guess you're putting the patriots in a position where they have to plan for everything and and so or trying to be good at everything you end up not being great at anything really you know and so how does that factor in to the patriots preparation and like they can't necessarily say oh we know they love this play action on third down so we're gonna really focus on defending that because you don't know that you don't know where they're going to go in the playbook for it totally yeah and you and again you can basically take the entire regular season and just throw it out the window because that was all Wentz and not I mean Wentz is I think he's a little bit more I think he's not a little bit I think he's a lot a bit more mobile he's more inclined to run and scramble and do sort of like the Russell Wilson thing they have like some of these designed quarterback runs where they're like hike the ball and immediately start running like the bootleg but like all the you know those sort of mobile quarterback type of plays that you see where Nick Foles is much more in the mold of like a Brady or a Peyton Manning or whatever where they just sort of like stand in the pocket and fire um so who the hell knows Uh, Let's talk a little bit more about that Peterson and Nick Foles tandem that we're going to run into in the quarterback, because I think they're kind of an interesting pair together. Yeah, agreed. And I I feel like the best way to understand a team and whether or not they are worth fearing is coaching quarterback. And if they have a good coach and a good quarterback, you can probably, you know, bet that you're in for a game. And if they don't, then you could just move along. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think we've seen that play out throughout the year, right? Like nobody was in the playoffs this year that didn't have a good coach and a serviceable quarterback or vice versa. You know, you need and then the teams that rose to the top are the ones that had the best of those pairings. Right. Right. Um, Where would you like to begin, Melissa? Uh, Let's start with Doug Peterson. All right. All right. So let's start with Doug. (laughs) Here's the thing with Doug Peterson. Hey, I just want to comment to everybody. His name is actual, actually Doug. 
We have as that a, correct this week. As, oh, yeah. As opposed to the kicker. Yeah, you know, it's funny, too. We screwed up the name of the guy who injured Gronk last week, but nobody uh, called us out for it. <laughs> the guy's name The guy's name is Barry Church, uh, not Eric Church. Eric Church is a country music singer. Country singer. Uh, yeah, singer. <laughs> I was calling yeah. him Eric Church all last week. Nobody said a peep, and we didn't even put out a correction because nobody seemed to know or care. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so Doug Peterson. Anyway. Coach of the Vikings, best known for uh, being mm, a... Nope, uh, he's the deep, coach of the Eagles. What did I say, Vikings? The, Shit. Yeah, <laughs> do that again. D- Doug Peterson, <laughs> coach of the Eagles, best known yeah. for being uh, a devotee to the visor and like flowy <laughs> hair look, windblown old guy, gray hair with the visor look. Yeah, it's very, uh, I don't know, Boca Raton golf course. <laughs> that's an excellent that's an excellent comp i think it is exactly that okay um, Continue. so peterson was he was a quarterback he played in the nfl he was mostly a backup but from 91 to 2005 he was a backup quarterback floating around the league right yeah his last place where he played was in green bay starting in 2001 and ending in 2005, he was backing up Brett Favre for like the end of the Favre era. Uh, he then retires and he starts to coach. Do you mm-hmm. know where he coaches, Melissa? I sure don't. I didn't either until I looked it up on the internet. Thank God for Google. So Doug Peterson uh, quit. He retired from being a quarterback in the league and he went on to be the head football coach of Calvary Baptist Academy. Oh. Which is a private Christian high school in Shreveport, Louisiana. Oh yeah, yeah, the good right. old yeah. We've all heard of that Calvary. place, Calvary. Yeah, Calvary Baptist. Yeah. Okay. Which was actually, uh, I'm reading here off of the Wikipedia page. That was their second year as a football program. <laughs> wow, really established, hardline yeah. football program. Right. He was getting yeah, really in. just like dyed in the wool football program down at Ton- Calvary Baptist. Tons of recruits. All right. Anyway, so he's coaching high school. This is how many yeah. years ago? This is 2005. He wow. March 2005 is when he jumped aboard. And, you know, just to make a terribly unfair comparison, March 2005 was about a month after Bill Belichick just won his third out of four <laughs> Super Bowls. That's an excellent point, Craig. Yeah. So while he's like, you know, uh, talking to a bunch of kids with like peach fuzz mustaches, yeah. telling them how to run like the wham, the wham blitz or whatever. Uh, Belichick is, is on a float uh, in Copley Square. Anyways, yeah. so 2005 to 2009, he's oh. coaching Cavalry Baptist. If oh. you want to know their record in those four years, I do. Uh, 33 and 7. I mean, undeniably, they were good. They were a powerhouse. Especially for only a second year program. Yeah, well, I mean, Dougie Fresh at the helm. So I think he did, apparently, did such a good job at Cavalry Baptist Academy that uh, the Eagles. Signed him on in 2009, and he was the offensive quality control coach for the Eagles, who at the time, Andy Reid was the head coach. Doug Peterson had previously played for Andy Reid while he was a quarterback, so they had a relationship there. And then basically, from that point on, it's the follow Andy Reid around thing, where he's in philly doing various jobs but he never actually he was the offensive quality control coach whatever the hell that means that sounds to me like a guy that watches tape that sounds to me like a guy that sits with a stapler in the basement office but continue and he eventually got promoted 
eventually got promoted all the way up to quarterbacks coach in 2011. 2013, Andy Reid goes to Kansas City and yeah. Peterson follows. He is then the offensive coordinator. Okay. Um, oh, big jump. For the Chiefs. Yes. Any comments so far, Melissa? No. Uh, you know, for me, I just am thinking about, like, that's kind of a quick rise, I would say. Like, obviously, Andy Reid saw something in this guy and progressed him up the line pretty rapidly. He definitely, I mean, it's not as if every high school coach that goes 40 and 10 is getting jobs in the NFL. I mean, right. obviously, he played and had relationships. So that that's, I think that he helps. skipped about yeah, 100 yeah. steps right there. Right, yeah, And then, helps. yeah, from offensive whatever to quarterbacks coach to OC, um, and then he goes to Philly and becomes the head coach in 2016 of the Philadelphia wow. Eagles. Andy, this is where he leaves the Andy Reid tailwind and uh, goes to Philly last year and is the head coach. And correct me if I'm wrong, but after last season was kind of on the hot seat. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they I forget what their record was, but. Um, oh, it's they were seven and nine last year, okay. and That's I think abysmal. I think people saw, looked at the resume that I just stated, which is in freaking 2005 he's coaching high school, and in 2016 he's the head coach of the freaking birds. Like yeah. people were like, "Who the hell is this guy with his flowy hair?" Like, <laughs> you know, just from visors. A, whether he's good or bad is sort of secondary. Just whether whether he's qualified is sort of like the first question. You yeah, know? where the hell did he come from is probably the question that most people are asking themselves, particularly if you're an Eagles fan and like, okay, maybe you know him for when he was your quarterback's coach three years ago, but now all of a sudden he's your head coach. Like that seems aggressive. So yeah, I mean, that's Peterson. And my biggest question with him is just exactly that. Like, is he any good? Can he go toe to toe with the greatest coach of all time in the biggest game of his life by a mile? Yeah. You know, you I mean, this those, is like those cavalry Academy games compared to this. You know, what's funny. I can't even find this school is so small. I can't even find the name of the team. Like they don't like it doesn't like exist. You know it's funny. As I just figured, okay, Craig, I'll just leave their Wikipedia page, um, and I clicked on their main website, CalvaryBaptistAcademy.org, and it's a like a 404 error. <laughs> like it can't be found. Oh my God, was it some kind of like <sighs> sham? Was it some kind of front school? Like a shell corporation just to build up his coaching resume? Uh, yeah, exactly. He just started a school, like had 800 kids show up every day, fucking play football I for don't him. Know. Um, my guess is that they'd be like the bishops or something. Yeah, something like that. Because they're a Catholic academy. For sure. So yeah, that's my biggest question about Doug Peterson. Is he going to pee himself? Yeah. You know? Is he going to Donovan McNabb all over the field? That's a puke joke that's... for people that didn't get it. Right. Well, Craig, thank you for all your information about Doug Peterson. Hey, happy to do it. The other half of that story is Mr. Nick Foles. Folesy. And I can tell you a little bit about his story because he also has kind of a crazy story when it comes to like where he was and where he ended up and how he ended up back with the Eagles. Mm -hmm. uh, so Nick Foles was drafted in the 2012 draft by the Eagles and Andy Reid as he pops up again for us. Yeah. He actually ended up starting quite a few games in 2013 because of an injury, I think, to Michael Vick, actually. And he set the NFL single-season touchdown-to-interception ratio that year. Ah. Yeah, which had been previously held by Tom Brady. Interesting. And has since been broken by Tom Brady. Hey. It was actually, I think, broken by Tom, <laughs> Tom Brady last year in, okay. that, in that four-game suspension year. Yeah, I think that, that year he also set the most touchdown passes in a game, which I believe is six, and I think oh. he still holds that record. Oh, good, good fun yeah. fact. Um, he ended up 
Um, so he was actually playing on Chip Kelly was the GM at that time of the Eagles. I think he was the head coach as well. Okay. Well, he was definitely the he head coach. Cold. He may okay. have been the GM. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. So Andy Reid had left. Chip Kelly had come in for all the Nick Foles stuff. So in 2015, Case Keenum, who we remember from the defeat against the Vikings last week, was traded from the Texans to the Rams. The, the day before that, Jeff Fisher, who is the, was the coach of the Rams at that time, had yep. just traded Sam Bradford to the Eagles for Nick Foles. Right. So, so, so at this point, uh, Jeff Fisher has both Case Keenum and Nick Foles on the St. Louis Rams. Yeah. Not been- the L.A. Rams. St. Louis, no, St. Louis yes, you're right. Yeah. So, and he's basically getting hosed. So he has a great, he gets drafted in 2012, has a great season in 2013. Uh, not so great in 2014. And some of that, you know, we talk about quarterback coach, you need both. Chip Kelly didn't exactly pan out to be the best coach in Philadelphia. Um, and he ends up getting traded. And then the day, the next day, uh, Case Keenum also gets traded to the same team. What the fuck Jeff Fisher was doing and thinking like, I have no idea. Talk about like crazy man syndrome. He was like the collector, just like acquiring quarterbacks. Yeah, just time. created a quarterback controversy out of nowhere. Um, so Foles was actually the starter until like mid-November of 2015. And then Keenum ended up coming in. And that, that you know, I don't know. I, I mean, I certainly, I'm not an Eagles fan. So like, I don't really know how that was received. But I would imagine that that trade really wasn't received all that well. I mean, Nick Foles just had a, like that 13-14 season yeah. was like huge. That's that's breaking all those records and all that stuff. Like Chip Kelly kind of flamed out in Philly, but that was a huge year for Foles himself. And I can't imagine that getting Bradford for Foles straight up like, eh. Yeah, I mean, I guess Sam Bradford was like a higher draft pick and maybe at that point had a little bit more potential, but Nick Foles had been there doing it. Uh, And then, so now it's 2016, Keenum and uh, Foles had basically split the 2015 season. 2016, Keenum is named the starter. Foles is going to have a chance to compete. And then crazy-ass Jeff Fisher ends up drafting Jared Goff. So like, So now he's got three quarterbacks. (laughs) Yeah, so needless to say, poor... Poor Nick Foles um, gets cut. He ends up... Oh, I didn't know he got cut. He got cut. That's interesting. Um, He ends up signing with the Chiefs on a two-year deal. And guess who his head coach is again? I'm going to go ahead and guess Andy Reid. It sure is. It's Andy Reid again. He ends up playing behind Alex Smith for a couple years. And he had actually, interestingly, considered retiring when he got cut by the Rams. Because he was kind of like... what Foles did. Because he was like, what am I doing? I'm up and down. He ends up back with Andy Reid. You know, he ends up playing behind Alex Smith and kind of like, I think maybe revitalizing some of his confidence in himself because I can't imagine that's easy going to all these different teams and getting cut the way you are and like thinking you have a starting job and then having it kind of like basically like the rug pulled out from under you. Yeah, it's sort of like the life of an NFL player though, right? Like most people don't get the luxury of like this sort of job security we're seeing with like Brady Belichick, that type of thing. I mean, yeah, I agree. But you know, I, I think still sucks. Yeah. Right. Like you could say like, (laughs) well, that's how it is, but it still sucks if you're Nick Foles. Um, then he ends up, you know, coming back to the Eagles with Peterson and the rest is kind of history for him. Yeah. And then it's just when's Adelphia or I'm sorry, when (laughs) Sylvania and then, uh, he gets, uh, tears his ACL in week 15 or 14 or whatever it was and now it's Folsey. Yeah. Back in the spotlight. St. Nick. 
Well, yeah, and you know, it's, we look at him so much as like, oh, he's such a journeyman quarterback, and like, what has he done in the league? But when you look to when he actually had a chance to start and play consistently, particularly under a coach that I think knew how to use his talent and skill set, he was pretty successful and like held some records oh, yeah. that that prove that out. Right, right, right. So that, you know, I think that's kind of our like outlook on the coach quarterback situation, how that plays out. I mean, you're still going against the greatest coach and the greatest quarterback in NFL history. Um, but they've proven, and I think they've especially shown this year, that they're not invincible and it's not impossible to beat they them. They mean the Patriots. Meaning the Patriots. Yeah. yeah. So, so Craig, do you think that the Nick Foles-Doug Peterson tandem has a chance against the Brady-Belichick group? You know— I think they have a chance. I mean, I'm not, I'm, I'm not predicting that they win, certainly. Like, I'm predicting a Patriots win. I certainly don't think that it's going to be a rollover game. Like, I mean, every Super Bowl the Patriots have played in has been incredibly dramatic and has come down to the last two minutes. And I don't think that this will be any different. Like, I don't think that the Eagles are going to get blown out. And I certainly don't think that the Eagles are going to blow out the Pats. I just, I think it's going to be a close game, but ultimately, like, I just, I have more faith in Foles, honestly, than I do in Doug Peterson. Yeah. Um, because Foles, you know, Foles has one job, and he's got to, like, make good decisions and make the throws, and that's it. But Peterson, like, I just don't know if I trust him to make the right decisions in, like, huge moments. And we saw the last two Super Bowls that the Patriots won, in large part, was, I mean, in this case of the of Super Bowl 49, it was, like, almost exclusively on... Um, <laughs> Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll and... and uh, yeah. Friend of the Patriots, yeah. And yeah, then, for yes. throwing down there on the one-yard line. Right. And then Dan Quinn then also... Yeah. yeah, I mean, so, like, you, you can point to these coaching decisions in the last two Super Bowls that the Pats won and be like, what are you doing? And I just don't see anything from Doug Peterson's resume, you know, visor choices that inspire <laughs> the confidence that make me see it, say that, like, you know, this dude can, like, this dude can go toe-to-toe. You know yeah, I mean? he's the guy. He's gonna upset the dynasty. Yeah, I just don't. Yeah. I just don't see it. What about you? No, I don't think so either. I think it's it, it's gonna take a lot for me to believe in someone at this point being able to like upend the apple cart that is the Patriots. They know how to right. handle these big games. They know how to go into them, and they know how to you know dissect their opponents in a way that I mean, you're 100 percent right. Like the last two Super Bowls, the other team just freaked out. I heard someone say it's like Bill Belichick is playing a 70 minute game. You know, like he in it, meaning that he plays up until the last second because there's always a chance. Not to wildly change subjects, mm-hmm. but um my favorite part of the Super Bowl is all the gambling. Ah, yes. I thought you might bring that up. <laughs> uh, and particularly for the Super Bowl, there are some crazy ass bets, not just on the game, but about all the hoopla surrounding the game. Love the, it. Yeah, the, some good action. You can really get involved in stuff, even if you're not a football fan or don't know anything about the people that are about to play the game. You can have a good time with some of these. Uh, they're known as prop bets. Uh, for the Vegas crowd. Yeah. Um, and there are some real fun ones that I thought maybe we could talk a little bit about. Get some people excited for. I'm into it. I think it's smart by <laughs> these, you know, gambling is a big business in of itself. Um, it's smart for them to put these prop bets out before the Super Bowl because you get the casual fan that's watching for the fanfare of the event. And it's a way to like get those people interested and excited. Yeah. 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 It's cool. Um, so I have a couple of interesting ones out there and and craig i would like to know how you 
would bet these prop bets. Okay. Well, you're our you're okay. our gambling liaison, so I'll let you take the lead here. Okay. <laughs> uh, so the national anthem will be sung by Pink. Uh huh. That's her name, not her coloring. Right. Because you can bet on what color you think her hair will be. Interesting. You could be white, blonde, pink, or red, purple, or blue, brown, or black, or green. What? 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 So I gave yeah. you off air my prediction. My prediction is blonde with like a streak. I'm thinking there's gonna be like a shoosh, like a you know, like a color thing. Yeah, that's a good bet. But I don't. I mean, you could probably find that out of book somewhere. That's not on this list particularly. Um, but yeah, I'm surprised they don't have the multicolor. As right. an option. But I guess maybe if you if it was blonde with a streak, right, like base, base color would be blonde. So maybe that, yeah. would, that would work out. I would probably also go blonde, and that's where the odds makers have it, is white blonde, because uh, that's a, f- a five to four. What about, um, I know that a, a common Super Bowl prop bet is uh, national anthem length. Do we have an yeah. over-under on that? Um, I don't have that one on this particular list that I'm looking at. Uh, but they put they typically put it at about two minutes. So if it'll be over or under two yeah, minutes. Yeah, actually, I just pulled it up. So, <laughs> oh. yes, it is exactly two. <laughs> Uh, 120 that's, that's seconds. That's not normal. That's not normal <laughs> that I knew that without looking. Um, yeah, I would bet the under on that. Oh, I'd hammer the under on that. Yeah. I, Pink is a great singer, but she's not one of those, like, divas. It's not like a Celine Dion, Mariah Carey that's going to, like, hold her notes and, like, drag it on. Yeah. Uh, I expect Pink to, to embellish at the points that you know generally are embellished but yeah. i don't think she's going to be the one of the people that like drags every single and adds like flourishes right. to like every single every note. note yeah so i'm hammering yeah. that under big time uh how many tw- how many times do you think the president will tweet on february 4th over or under five well so this is a tough one because on the February 4th, like the whole day? Is that what we're talking about? Uh, yeah, well, that's what it says here. And I was wondering that too. Is it like how many times will he tweet about the Super Bowl or how many times will he just tweet on February 4th? I think this five is just tweets on February 4th. Yeah, that one. I don't know if I put my money down on that one. I saw that originally and I was like, oh, under. He's not going to throw five tweets out during the game. That would be crazy. But Well, I guarantee you he'll tweet about them standing for the national anthem. You think so? I do. I think he can't help himself. Well, yeah, that's probably true. We could, I mean, the way you would, the way I would bet that is I would look back at like the past four Sundays and see how often he's tweeted. Yeah, true. And then assume one extra for something about the Super Bowl. You could also go back so, and find the previous Super Bowls where Donald, I mean, the, the pre-presidential Donald Trump where he's just tweeting to tweet. You know what I mean? That's like, true. what's yep. what's does he get into it? Does he talk about the game itself, or is he just like waiting until the end and good saying call. like congratulations to the team? You know, good good call. That's good research that mm. we could do there. Yeah, smart. Uh, a popular bet every time Bill Belichick's in the Super Bowl, which is a lot, as we know, is uh, what color will his hoodie be? Hoodie color, yeah. Blue, gray, red, white. I think you can eliminate the white. That's yeah, get not gonna white right out of town. Yeah, he's he's not. It has to be some kind of like 80s Super Bowl for him to wear like a white hoodie. Terrific, though. Yeah, it would be awesome. Uh, they, sh- You know what they should have in here is, will his hoodie in the press conference have sleeves or not? <laughs> Gross. What do you think about them mentioning Donovan McNabb's vomiting incident? No, I was just going to say that that whole thing is kind of like an urban legend type of thing. I was looking into it the other day because I wanted to like yeah. make fun of Donovan McNabb here on the show. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But like it's very fuzzy, like whether or not he 
puked Actually. or was just like got the wind knocked out of him. None of his players, like, so I don't know. There's like this whole like urban legend aspect to that situation. Yeah. Was never like on camera, like in the Super Bowl where there's cameras mm-hmm. fucking everywhere. Like nobody managed uh, yeah. to catch the quarterback puking. Right. Like that to and me tells me that it probably didn't happen. Right. <laughs> he had puked in previous games. There was like a game they played in Tampa or something earlier that year that he was like, what? Um, so it had <laughs> happened before, but I just don't think it happened in that Super Bowl. Anyways. I also saw bets that you can bet like which owner will they show first? You know, Robert Kraft or the Philly owner. Ooh, um, interesting. Yeah. Will they show how many times will they show Giselle during the game? Also interesting. I feel like who runs out of the tunnel first? The home oh, team or the away team? Because the te- Pats are the technically the home team here. Right. They got to pick their uniform color. Doesn't it stand to reason that Kraft would get shown first? Like if they're like doing there's a good they're just gonna be generically like talking about the Pats first? I uh, I would have assumed that Robert Kraft would be shown first. I and maybe this is just a New England bias, but I feel like he is the more well known owner. Um he's also very vocal in the NFL and like kinda one of those big Power four brokers. owners. Yeah. So I just assumed he would be shown first. Unless they um. show that Jeffrey Laurie dancing in the locker room clip, which I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't argue with if they chose to run that on the broadcast because it's hilarious. <laughs> uh, first to introduce the team in the ownership group, uh, yeah, I feel like Kraft would get would get the first billing there. Here's an interesting Minnesota-based question: mm-hmm. Will Will Justin Timberlake, who's doing the halftime show, cover a Prince song? I would vote a hard yes on that. Oh, you know, I saw that bet and i didn't even think about the the minnesota tie yeah because i was gonna say no way but you're totally right he's like in but that's i too- almost bet yeah go ahead no 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 you go i was gonna say i almost bet it starts with like all the lights off and it's the dearly beloved we are gathered here today you oh know, let's go crazy uh, let's go crazy yeah, yeah we do yeah. that opening part and then he starts with let's go crazy and then they like because that's like even if he only does a couple bars of that song, like that's a super well-known song. It like gets people up. It is a big deal. Like, you know, Oh, first of all, if he does do that, I'll fucking lose my mind because that song is <laughs> yeah. awesome. It would be so rad if he did it too. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> oh man. You should, you just like totally reworked my whole thinking about this halftime show. <laughs> I never really, I hadn't really given it much thought, but now I'm like kind of excited. Mm-hmm. Thanks prop bets. Yeah. And, and this is recorded. So if I'm right, Fuck yeah. Just yeah. I want to say that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which number will be higher? The kickoff temperature in Minnesota or the total points scored in the first quarter? I think they said it's going to be like in the teens. Bitter cold. Yeah. Um, that's a good one. That's a good one. I think yeah, historically, I I Patriots, did you know this? I learned this this week. Patriots haven't scored in the first quarter of any of the Super Bowls that they've been to. Oh, I did not know that. They just do not score in the first quarter. So in that case, that's- I'll take the over. Yeah, I would. I don't. I don't think take, the Eagles are going to put temperature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll take yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, I don't understand yeah. how these things work. All right, give me one more. Give That's me one fine. more good one. One. All right, all right. This is a good Boston-based one. Uh, which number will be higher? The points scored by the Patriots in the Super Bowl, or the points and assists recorded by Celtics guard Kyrie Irving? Okay, can you say that one more time? Yeah. Which number is higher? The points scored by the Patriots in the Super Bowl. Uh-huh. Or the points and assists recorded by Celtics guard Kyrie Irving. That night. That night. He's playing Portland, just to give you a little context. Oh, I man. I think you, you... That's tough, right? Yeah. It I sure would go, is. I think I would go Kyrie. But it's the whole... The total points of why. the Super Bowl? 
total points by the Patriots. But okay, so just Patriots. Yeah, yeah, not total Super Bowl points. Just the Patriots. So if the Patriots score 30 and Kyrie records, you know, 20 points right. and 15 assists, then I don't remember what I said. Interesting. So now he'd, yeah, be yeah, yeah. he'd be at 35. He'd he'd have more points. Yeah, that's a crazy one. I think I think I will. I'll take Kyrie on that for sure. Yeah. Because I think like he he can roll out of bed and score 30. And then, you right. know, p- sprinkle in maybe like eight or nine assists, something like that. He's not like an assist machine, but I mean, he'll get, you know, he handles the ball in every possession. So, I mean, it's not hard to imagine him getting 40. And if right. the Pats score 40, that's like a big They're deal. They're blowing it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. So I'll take, I'll take Kyrie. I'll take Uncle Drew on that one. I like it. I like it. Uh, so that's a couple of the prop bets. You know, if there's any others that you guys are into or like or have heard of that you think are funny, definitely tweet them at us um, at TitletownCast so that mm-hmm. we can share our comments and thoughts about who, where we think those bets are going to land. Yeah, you could also uh, hit us up on Facebook or Instagram, also at TitletownCast, and you can check out um, our show, as well as a lot of other great Boston sports coverage at GuyBostonSports.com. All right. Well, that's it from us. Aloha from Hawaii. Yeah. And uh, this time next week, we will either be the, the winners of a sixth Super Bowl or uh, real, real pissed off. Yeah. So you will get one <laughs> or two versions of us. Uh, either one will probably be funny. So definitely tune in for that. Yeah, definitely subscribe <laughs> yeah. and we'll see you next week. All right, bye. Later.